so good morning, church. I want to say all, uh, hello to our congregation, to our online family as well, to our visitors. Uh, my name is Elias Randall. My family and I have been part of the Sycamore Hill Church family for a little bit over 10 years now. Um, I'm currently enrolled in a seminary out west in Portland, Oregon called Multnomah University. But yeah, so uh, this past summer I had the pleasure to serve underneath our pastor uh, and as an intern, uh, Pastor Dwayne here. And I'm excited to share the word with you all today. Um, my family will tell you this has been a passion of mine since I was a really small child. So it's amazing to kind of see God work and give me the opportunity to do so. Amen. All right. Our church has been working through a sermon series uh, focusing on the parables of Jesus. These parables often feature characters or character types that were relevant to the time and were placed in a story to convey a moral or spiritual lesson. Previously, uh, Pastor Dwayne preached on a parable of the Good Samaritan, and we hosted Reverend Dennis Marshall, who preached on a parable of persistent neighbor, sometimes referred to as the parable of the good friend. I'll be continuing today in the Gospel of Luke, and I invite you to open up your copy of the Lord's Word, or turn it on, to Luke chapter 18. We'll be starting in verse 1. So Luke chapter 18, verse 1. And I will be reading out the English Standard Version. Luke 18, verse 1. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. And for a while he refused. But afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says? And will not God give justice to his elect? who cry to him day and night. Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. And nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Let us pray. Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you and praise your name, for in perfect faithfulness you have done wonderful things things planned long ago. Please fill me with your spirit as I begin to share and proclaim your word to your people. I pray that every ear and heart is ready to accept your word. Amen. In 2004, activist and personal hero of mine, the late John Lewis, gave this statement reflecting on how the civil rights movement was shaped by faith. Without our faith, we wouldn't have been able to succeed. On many occasions, before we go out on a sit-in, before we sit on a freedom ride, before we march from Selma to Montgomery, we would sing a song or say a prayer. Without our faith, without the spirit and the spiritual bearing, we would not have been so successful. Without prayer, without faith in the Almighty, the Civil Rights Movement would have been like a bird without wings. On many occasions, when we have been beaten, arrested, in jail, 
you had to call upon something, some force, some power much larger and much greater and much more powerful. In my estimation, the civil rights movement was a religious phenomenon. John Lewis saw prayer as a method that strengthened his faith, and his faith strengthened his perseverance through extreme persecution and suffering for a just cause. And Jesus teaches us a similar message through this parable. Starting at Luke 18, verse 1. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always pray and not lose heart. Before Jesus begins to set the scene for this parable, the writer Luke interjects himself to tell us the purpose of the story that we're about to hear. That Jesus' disciples ought to always pray and not lose heart. Prayer is a part of a relationship with God that can never be overdeveloped, nor be done too frequently. And scripture teaches us that prayer is a wonderful privilege that God extends to us so that we can come and talk to him, to lay everything at his feet. Prayer shouldn't be our last resort when times become difficult, but it should be the first life-saving ring that we grasp when we're struggling to stay afloat. And is it always easy? Unfortunately not. But then again, neither is following the way of Christ and hence the need for us to have reminders to come to the Lord before and during and after everything that we do. And sometimes when we pray, the results don't come as quickly as we would like. I rarely cook in my household living with my wife Natalia, and not because I'm incapable or my food tastes bad or whatever it may be, but I'm just lazy. <laughs> I think food tastes better when you prepare it not by yourself. I think it tastes much better when someone else does it for you. <laughs> and the one cooking utensil or appliance I will use is our microwave. Um, I kind of consider him as another member in our household. I call him Chef Mike. And he can prepare a meal faster almost than anyone else. And I feel as though some people treat prayer the way I treat Chef Mike. That it's a way to get microwave quick results. And sometimes... We must be laboring in our prayer, repeatedly petitioning heaven with our request. Prayer will also defend us from acts and feelings of hopelessness. So we must start or continue to pray and don't let the temporary of this life get the best of it. The phrase to lose heart that Jesus uses speaks of a weariness to the point that it wears you out that you don't want to let go. And many of us often experience the tiresome or annoyed or weakened state because of a situation that's going on around us. But for Jesus' disciples at the time, there was a little to no room in their mission for a weak-willed or faint-hearted worker. The gospel was the mission, and the salvation of souls was the, in fact, goal of that mission. And not only were the early Christians victims of extreme persecution, but their work in preaching the gospel was necessary for others to be saved. And they had to be strong because of that. Prayer would help keep them bold in the face of adversity. It would help keep them grounded and tied to their Savior in his absence. And prayer can make a difference in a life lived for God or not. An intentional and persistent prayer life was not a choice. And the same applies to us. And this is why Jesus said they ought to pray and not lose heart. 
And Jesus goes on to emphasize this point in the parable. Luke 18, verse 2 to 3. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there is a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. He opens his story by talking about a judge who dwells in a certain city. This judge is later identified by Jesus in the parable as being unrighteous. And to prove that he was indeed unrighteous, Jesus stated that the man neither feared God nor respected man. He ruled in a way that benefited him and him alone, and lining his own pockets probably with his judgment. A judge is supposed to operate with the rule of justice as their measuring rod. He or she is to uphold all that is true and right. They're to be fair and be impartial in their decisions. And this sadly wasn't the case in the story. And we know that God expected more from judges, especially when it came to helping the weak. In the book of Isaiah, God pronounced a woe against unjust judges who, in his words, turn aside from the needy, and they rob justice of the poor of their right, and the widows may be their spoil, and that they may make the fatherless their prey. The next character we meet inside this parable is, in fact, the widow. And while widows have a connotation in our modern day as someone who lost their spouse, at this time, a widow in the ancient world had little to no right to anything. So in addition to losing family and loved ones, they would have their items or property or wealth delegated to other family members, or even sometimes people outside their family. And the Book of Ruth gives a small glimpse into a world where a widow is in fact in need of a redeemer and can't do it by themselves, essentially. So this case that she's coming to the judge with is one of deep desperation. Her livelihood depends on it. And God had many declarations in his word to protect the weaker members of a society, including the widows. Deuteronomy 27, 19 declares, Cursed be anyone who perverts justice due to the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. And Exodus 20, 22 plainly says, You shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. And there are even more scriptural examples to support that. This widow came seeking justice. She came because she had a case and things were not going correctly in her favor. She had nowhere else to go. Her desperation bred a tenacity that she wasn't going anywhere. She was not going to be denied. And the scripture says that she kept coming to him in a manner that, will be, that we would assume to be unrelenting. And we also know that she didn't immediately receive a judgment in her favor. For some people, and surely none of you good Christians in here, prayer can seem like a mundane responsibility that the Christ followers of Jesus have. A checkoff list, if you will. Some things that need to be done. And for others, prayer seems to be difficult to understand, or even at times more difficult to do. But there is good news, and that prayer is neither of these things. That prayer is in fact a gift that was given to us as a way to reach the Heavenly Father personally, one-on-one. Prayer is as essential to the Christian life as breathing or eating, and it is necessary to stay spiritually nourished in Him. So Jesus therefore teaches His disciples that the importance 
of not giving up in prayer, to keep laboring through, and to be persistent in our request to God. I have heard it said that going to God repeatedly with the same request is in fact a sign of a weak faith or repeated prayers or repeated prayer requests show a disbelief in God's power. But Jesus, he teaches us the exact opposite, that prayer is a way to keep your heart and your faith well defended. So we bring our petitions to the Lord. It's a sign that we are strong and not weak in doing so. The book of Hebrews describes Abraham as a man that was moved by his great faith. And even he prays to the Lord to remind the father of a promise of a child that hasn't been answered yet. And repeated prayer is a sign of faith in its own right. And this was an integral concept for Jesus' disciples to grasp. Jesus had just finished talking to them about his second coming in the previous chapter. And this means that there must be a departure from his first coming, or as we describe it, the death, resurrection, and his ascension. During his earthly ministry, Jesus spoke and demonstrated ways to live in prayer. And after his departure, prayer was a necessity, necessity for disciples and apostles to continue to grow the Jesus movement. And if Jesus depended often on prayer, surely we as our disciples need to do it even more so. Martin Luther, you know, the one from Germany, is quoted as saying, God wants us to pray, and he wants to hear our prayers, not because we are worthy, but because he is merciful. And Martin Luther King Jr., you know, the one not from Germany, decided to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Now, why is that? Breath is with the body. Each inhale and exhale of life is sustained. So is the prayer line that fosters a deep and unique relationship between God and his people. It is not only life-sustaining, but it's soul-sustaining. The Apostle Paul taught us to pray without ceasing in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. And in Philippians 4.6, he tells us, Do not be anxious about anything. Find everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. Prayer is something that we should always do. And just like in other parables, Jesus provided the listener with an example of how this may look in their real everyday lives. But in this case, an example on how we could use the principle of prayer that Jesus is teaching. And this is the sign of a good or talented teacher which we all know that Jesus is. He doesn't just instruct his disciples, but he gives them an illustration to explain it as well. And Jesus shares with us the response of the judge in verse four. For a while he refused, but afterwards he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice that she would not beat me down by her continual coming. For a while, the judge refused her or turned away any fair judgment she was searching for. And for a while, he ignored her pleas and her dire circumstance. And for a while, he would not do anything for her to bring her case to a satisfactory 
conclusion. But there came a time when he was ready to work on her behalf. What what I love about verse 5 is that the judge states that the women will keep beating him down if he doesn't resolve the case. That phrase, uh, beating me down, translates to the Greek word hippopiazo, hippopiazo. And now this word means to strike or attack someone underneath the eye, to give someone a black eye, or as sometimes we call it, a shiner. Growing up, your boy wasn't much of a fighter. (laughs) I've always been pretty small, sometimes a little wide, but all around 99% lover, 1% fighter. But I did have a couple experiences receiving black eyes, playing basketball with friends, on my phone, not paying attention when I'm wide open, smack. Trying to learn how to moonwalk in the shower like all kids probably try to do, falling. You know, the, the, these things, they happen to everyone, I'm assuming, not just me. <laughs> but black eyes, these, uh, these things, they draw the attention of others. And when I had a black eye, I received many questions about what happened from friends, family, people I've never talked to in my entire life. And they would say, Elias, what happened? Elias, who beat you up? A wide variety of questions along the similar lines. It's because not only is a black eye an attention drawer, but there's the question on who did it and why. This thought that comes with, uh, what did they do to make that person that mad? (laughs) That comes along with seeing it. So that word, hippopiazza, is a great description on how the judge is feeling by the widow's persistence. Not only is he getting worked over by the widow, but when people see her constant approaching and appearance inside his court, they're going to ask questions. His own wickedness will be on display in the form of this metaphorical black eye. And things changed for the judge after he saw the woman's relentless stamina to keep returning back to him. He saw a tenacious spirit in her that refused to let her accept anything else less than what she deserved. So this is why the judge said, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice. He doesn't relent due to spiritual revelation or growing a soft spot for the widow, but his stance in both of these cases are moved by something that's unchanged. He still doesn't care about people. He still doesn't care about God. But because she would not capitulate, he was going to take up her case and make sure she received justice. And possibly, those who had done her wrong would be punished. She wore the man out. She frequently circled back to his place of work and invaded his space. She kept approaching him until her request was not only heard, but justice provided. And how much more will God do for his own who come to him? Jesus closes out his teaching by emphasizing two critical points. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them And nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? God is not 
an unjust judge, nor can he be worn out through our prayers. And the point of this story is for us to persist in prayer. If an unrighteous judge gave the widow justice, won't God do even more? The Father says that when we call to him, he will answer, and that he will be with us in trouble, rescue us, and to honor us. Psalm 91, verse 15. So we must keep going to God. Never stop looking to him as your source for every single thing in this life. Handle everything with prayer. The widow refused to be silenced, and I pray that you won't be silenced by those around you, nor your circumstances either. God has gifted us an open invitation to his people. God shall give justice to his elect. And according to his perfect and holy will and time, there are days now when God's people are still treated unfairly. And he is more than aware of the suffering that all humanity has faced. But we have claimed the right to something far greater than anything that we could imagine on this earth. And how have God's people claimed this? By their faith and their belief in Christ Jesus, that he is indeed who he claims to be. The Father promises of a future where he will indeed wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. And for the old order of things, those things have passed away. Revelation 21.4. And those who persist in prayer will see a righteous judgment. But faith and persistence, these things, they go hand in hand. And faith is what Jesus is questioning at the end of this parable. He tells us that God will do his part. When the Lord's people cry out to him day and night, he hears our cries. And not only does he hear, but he will act. He will stand for justice of his elect. And he'll do so speedily, just as Christ had said. And we know this because God, again, is a just judge. There's a phrase that God is never late and rarely early, but that he is always exactly right on time. His time. And this theological thought has inspired song lyrics such as that God is able to do just what he said that he would do, and that he's going to fulfill every promise to you. So don't give up on God, because he won't give up on you. Amen. And while the church has been stating that God is good, and all the time, it's deeply embedded in our own theology that God is patient and will come to us at the right time. And we are commanded to be patient. And in that patience, we still must continue to persist. James, the brother of Jesus, wrote, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of this earth? Being patient about it until he receives the early and the late rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. James 5, 7 to 8. There will be times we are not, sorry, there will be times where things are not going our way, and sadly those things will hurt. But keep going and keep coming to God to seek 
everything that you need. So Jesus asks us, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? How will his people respond to their own trials and tribulations? Blessed is the man who, received, who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. James 1, 12. Just as the widow was unrelenting in her pursuit of justice, we should be equally unrelenting in our faith. True faith requires a commitment, and commitment requires one to persist and to not give in to the pressure resulting in us to give up. Shall he find faith on earth? As Jesus was readying the faith of his disciples, he was also preparing us. Our faith and trust in him is like a key, and that key unlocks the door to victory over the enemy once and for all. Our faith and trust in him to strengthen our stance so that we won't run from the fight, that we won't cave because of pressure, and that we won't give in despite of the persecution that we might face. We will continue to persevere and will continue to strengthen our faith through prayer. And because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning and great is thy faithfulness. Amen.